Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello again, folks, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring quantum dancing. I'm not sure when it happened, but we've become shackled to mundania, our reality limited to a very small portion of our potential to experience. We're restricted to less than half of what our five senses can register. My Celtic shamanic teacher taught that our spirit reaches to the edge of the universe and beyond, yet we perceive ourselves as nothing more than these tiny physical forms. Much like an iceberg, most of us is hidden under water, invisible, if we don't take into account our spirit or energetic field dancing at the quantum level and interfacing with all things. Is there another way of perceiving than the linear mind? How can we access this forgotten source of information? How can we make sense of what comes through from the realm of spirit? How can we know what is real? Our guest this hour has some very interesting thoughts on the subject and may provide some valuable guidance into the realm of quantum dancing and psychic development. With us this hour is Melanie Barnum, a psychic medium, author, intuitive counselor, life coach, reflexologist, and hypnotist who's been practicing professionally for almost 20 years. Melanie enjoys helping others connect to their loved ones and dive into their intuitive abilities through individual and group sessions, workshops, and mentoring. Melanie is the author of many books, including The Book of Psychic Symbols, Interpreting Intuitive Messages, The Steady Way to Greatness, Liberate Your Intuitive Potential and Manifest Your Heartfelt Desires, Psychic Ability for Beginners, Awaken Your Intuitive Senses, Psychic Vision, Developing Your Clairvoyant and Remote Viewing Skills, and her latest, Llewellyn's Little Book of Psychic Development. Her website, MelanieBarnum.com. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Hi, Gwilda. Thank you for having me. Yeah, when did you first realize you were psychic? Uh, well, about 20 years ago, I felt like I was hit over the head and I heard the words, you have to do this work now. And I kind of looked around and said, what the heck was that? But I immediately recognized that what the universe was telling me was that I needed to start doing psychic work. 
And I knew when I was younger that I could read people, but I thought that everybody did that. So I never thought of it as being psychic. But apparently the universe and my guides and the angels and my deceased loved ones on the other side all kind of knew that it was time for me to start doing this professionally. Mm. You know, it, in, in shamanism, there's a pre things that predispose you to being shamanically gifted. Uh, one is a near-death experience. One is a traumatic childhood. Another is a closed head injury. And then the fourth one is uh, genetic predisposition. Do you have any of those things going? I think pretty much that I have genetic predisposition. I've said in all of my books that I'm very thankful to not have had a very traumatic childhood and to not have had anything crazy happen to me, like being hit by lightning or any of those other <laughs> things that may have caused this to happen. I think it pretty much is genetic disposition. Well, you, you got hit over the head with spirit, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, how, how old were you when you first started getting the messages? Uh, well, when I first set out to do psychic work professionally, it was about 20 years ago. So I was about 27, but I had received information before that. I just never put two and two together. So, you know, as a child, um, I didn't ever think that I was psychic, as I said, but I just didn't know that that's what psychic was, was all about. Yeah. When did you start being able to interpret what you were getting? Uh, pretty much about 20 years ago when I felt <laughs> like I was hit over the head. <laughs> wow. So do, do you have a particular discipline you use to make sense of the messages coming through? Um, well, when this happened, I set out to learn everything I could about psychic abilities and how to develop my psychic ability. So I pretty much use a lot of symbolism. I receive symbols all the time and I do that through psychic vision, psychic hearing, psychic feeling, um, kind of a mix of all of the different psychic abilities is well, how we'll I have get to, information. We'll, we'll have to pick up with that on the other side of a quick break. Melanie and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is produced by Relma McConnell, media company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www 
HolisticCancerFoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our special guest this hour is Melanie Barnum, author of many books, including her latest, Llewellyn's Little Book of Psychic Development. Her website, MelanieBarnum.com. Melanie, we were just talking about the different kinds of uh, psychic ability you've um, kind of disciplined yourself to use since you started working. Would you mind continuing with that thought? Sure. So like I said, I use a mix of all of the psychic abilities that are available to us. Just as we have regular senses or physical senses, we have psychic senses that kind of correlate to those. So we have clairvoyance, which is clear vision, clear audience, which is clear hearing, clear sentience, which is clear feeling, clear cognizance, which is clear knowing, etc. So we use all of these psychic senses when we tune into the other side and when we receive messages. Some of us excel more at certain ones than others and we tend to develop those more because we feel more comfortable using them but psychic abilities can be developed to enhance all of our psychic senses and i pretty much use all of them during a reading does everybody have the ability to be psychic everybody does have the ability to develop their psychic senses it really depends on how far you want to take it and how much natural ability you have just like anybody can you know, play a key on a piano. Not everybody's going to be able to pick up and play a Mozart song. Not everybody's going to be Mozart. It all depends on our natural ability and then our ability to develop it further, our practicing. How can a person tell which talents are theirs, their strong points? Well, a lot of times it's what you are with your, you know, regular senses. So if you're an artist, say, and you see things then you may be more visual with your psychic senses. So you may be more clairvoyant. Another way to think about it is if you are a musician or if you enjoy music, then you may be clairaudient or hear things more psychically. And another way to pay attention to what psychic sense you may use is to listen to how you talk. If somebody asks you a question and you say, well, I see this happening or I hear you and I know what you're saying because I hear what you're saying, Pay attention to that. The seeing may mean that you are more clairvoyant, and the hearing may mean that you're more clear, clairaudient. If somebody says, I feel you, I feel what you're talking about, then they may be more clairsentient or more more clear feeling. 
Yeah, kind of kinesthetic. That that's where I came in, which is actually kind of a difficult one at first because it's kind of hard to tell when you're just sensing things physically if it's yours or if it's someone else's. How um, can you tell the difference there? Well, you're also talking a little bit about clear empathy, which is being an empath or em- empathetic. And that is kind of taking on somebody else's energy or the energy of somebody else. It takes it takes a special person to be able to handle that kind of energy, to be able to handle somebody else's um, feelings, emotions, thoughts, ills, pains. Um, and, you know, once you get past the doubt and once you get past the questioning and you allow that it's possible that it is a psychic feeling, then you can start recognizing them more. And they feel a little bit differently than a regular physical sense would. Yeah, and you can get real sick, too, if you don't learn how to manage it pretty quickly. (laughs) Exactly. You have to definitely protect yourself, especially if you're empathic. Right. Can we develop talents we don't naturally have? Absolutely. Um, As I was saying before, you know, anybody can learn to press a key on a piano. Well, anybody can develop a talent. You just need to practice. You need to continue to practice, and you need to work hard at it. If it's something that you really want to be able to do, you need to work hard at it. Now, again... You know, your natural tendencies towards uh, whatever that sense may be will play a part in it, but you can develop it further. Where does the psychic information come from? Well, now there's a question. So, (laughs) you know, a lot of times you're just picking up on the energy of somebody else because we're all connected energetically. Everybody throughout the universe, anything that is alive is connected energetically. And then we also have the other side. We have our angels, the uh, guides that we have over there. We all have guides over there. And most importantly, I think, we have our deceased loved ones. So our loved ones are able to send us messages along with our angels and our guides. Um, They send us messages the easiest way that they know how usually, which is symbolically. So they'll send us symbols that we then can interpret and translate into psychic messages that we receive. Mm. You know, there's, there was a scene out of um, Star Wars, and um, uh, Yoda was trying to teach um, Luke Skywalker how to levitate his ship out of the swamp. I remember and, that. <laughs> remember that scene? And, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he failed. And finally, um, um, the, the master brought it up and said it over, and Luke goes, looks at it, and he goes, I don't believe it. And, and Obi-Wan says, and that is why you fail. And yeah. it isn't, is, don't we fail at this because we don't believe it? You're a hundred percent correct. You have to believe it to achieve it is what I always say. So if you can't believe that it's possible, then you'll never understand it. You'll never be able to do it. Our reality is built around our beliefs. And if we don't believe in, um, the sixth sense, then we're not even going to notice it. Is that, is that what happens there? Well, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, it's not even necessarily just believing that it can happen. It's also taking it a step further. If you're trying to develop your own senses, it's believing that you'd be able to develop your own senses and not believing that you can do it automatically, but believing in the possibility that it can happen. Why do you think most people shut it off? I mean, let's face it, not very many people out there call themselves psychic. Well, a lot of people come into this world very intuitive. They already have psychic skills built in. And then they get shut down. So as a child, if you sit there and say, you know, I see your grandmother standing behind you, the adult is going to look around and not see the grandmother and say, honey, you know, no, you don't see my grandmother. And so it gets shut down. Um, When my daughter was young, one of my daughters um, was very, very little. She said, mommy, when I grow up again, I want to do this, this and this. And I said, honey, you haven't grown up yet. You're, you know, you're a toddler. And she said, no, mommy, when I grow up again, and I instantly said, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I'm shutting her down. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I brought it back to the point where, oh, okay, well, what did you do before? So you have to, you know, take into account that adults that aren't necessarily tuned in to what this is will shut you down instantly. And it's not because they don't want to believe it. They just don't understand it. And they don't realize that that's what's happening. They just think you're being a little kid and they're shutting you down. Also, as you get older, if you start to have instances that freak you out a little bit, like if you do end up seeing dead people and it freaks you out, you tend to shut that out. You don't want anything to do with it. So, you know, a lot of times we go through life and we get shut down or we shut it down ourselves or we stop trying. We stop believing that that's what's going on. We just start believing that it's a coincidence possibly or, you know, just 
my gut feeling, my gut instinct. You know, one of the worst things I think we perpetrate on our children is when we say, oh, honey, it's not real. It's just your imagination. Would you mind speaking to what the landscape of the imagination has to do with psychic information? Sure. Imagination plays a huge part with psychic development. One of the main things that I teach people is to learn how to imagine something in your mind. Because if you can't create that vision in your head, if you can't create that sound or that thought or that feeling, then you're not going to be able to interpret any psychic messages because you have to be able to really deep down see inside your mind, hear inside your mind, and your imagination is in the same spot. It's, it's, it does the same thing. So even though sometimes it feels like it's just your imagination and sometimes it will be just your imagination, you're creating something out of nothing, other times it very well be that you're receiving a psychic message. So don't shut down your imagination. Allow your imagination to flourish. And that's when you really start to receive more detailed messages. Yeah, it's just crippling when we invalidate our imagination because the imagination is the landscape that we create the matrix around our our manifestations. That that's where that's where it all begins. And then it's also the channels that information comes in through. Why do you think we are so systematically taught to ignore it or invalidate it? Well, because it's not real. It's not tangible, right? We can't touch it. We can't hold it. We can't prove it. And that's where a lot of this comes in. That's why a lot of it gets shut down. That's why we are, like you said, systematically uh, kind of denied that this is real. Because it's not tangible. You can't hold it. And when somebody shuts you down because there's no proof, it makes it that much easier for you to shut yourself down. How can we be sure of what we are getting that we're not just making it up? How can you start to tell the difference between the two? Well, you can't always. Um, I've been doing this professionally, like I said, for about 20 years, and even I don't always know. But what you have to do is you have to trust it and you have to not censor it. It can tend to be easier to do readings for somebody else because you don't need to interpret it and think about it for yourself. So when you're reading for somebody else, as long as you don't judge the information that you're putting out there, the information that you're channeling or getting, and as long as you don't censor it and try and make something out of what you're getting and you just give it to the person, then you'll start to get the validation that, yeah, that's that's real. That's what that's what's really going on. And like I said, as long as you're not censoring it, you're not cutting it down or trying to you know place your own judgment, your own thoughts, your own intellect upon it. Um, it tends to work a lot better and you get that validation. When you're working professionally, and given that we're looking through a glass darkly, and we can't be sure if this is something we're making up or if it's something we're getting, how do you present that to your clients so that they aren't misled if you are mistaken? You know, it's interesting. I'll get something that can have two meanings. So if they're asking me, you know, which way should I go with this, and I'll see, you know, a fork in the road, I'll tell them, look, I'm seeing a fork in the road. <laughs> so this isn't an answer that you should go one way or the other for sure, but it's a, an answer that you should look in both directions. Um, you know, I just had a client in yesterday and I symbolically saw a butterfly. Now, it, it didn't necessarily have to mean the typical butterfly thing, but I said, you know, I'm seeing the symbol of a butterfly. So either butterflies mean something to you in general. There's something specific, um, you know, symbolically about butterflies for you or I can explain what a butterfly means symbolically. And she said, no, butterflies definitely mean something. She rolled up her sleeve and she had a, a tattoo of a butterfly on her arm. And she proceeded to tell me that she's in the process of hanging all these butterfly things that she had just moved from one house to another because butterflies mean something to her. So you have to give what you get and you can allow for interpretation from the other client or from the client, from the other person. But you have to give it as you get it and allow them to, to kind of... Um, interpret it as well, not just you. Yeah, it's so important because while we're talking in metaphor, and there are certain metaphors that are, you know, cultural, but then there's metaphors like you just described that are very personal, and we don't have a way of knowing that for our clients, do we? No, we don't, and that's why you can't judge it and you can't censor it. Mm. Mm. So do you find people start to rely on you too heavy to help you um, interpret for them? Um, well, it really depends. I don't think that people rely on me too heavily. I think that, uh, you know, I have a healthy relationship with my clients, but I do allow them and I tell them all the time to make their own decisions, make their own choices, take what I say with a grain of salt and then run with it. 
you know, interpret it the way you need to interpret it and, and make your own decisions. Um, I, you know, have done readings for a, a lot, a lot of people. And I specifically had one person who wanted to know whether or not she should uh, essentially remove her son's leg because he had cancer and they weren't sure whether it had spread already. And I, I had to answer that question. Now think about how horrific that would be if I had been wrong or if I was wrong about that. Mm. You know, so I tell people all the time, yeah, it is a lot of responsibility. Take, take what I say with a grain of salt and you make your own choices, your own decisions. I'm just one part in your decision-making factor. We're going to have to take another break. Melanie and I will return to our discussion on the other side. So don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net, and there's a gang of them. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. 
Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. Our special guest this hour is psychic medium and author, Melanie Barnum. Her website, MelanieBarnum.com. Melanie, what do dreams have to do with psychic information? Well, there's a couple different ways to look at dreams when you're talking. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. Talking about psychic information. Um, we dream about things that we're processing during the day. And that's just a regular dream. But then we can also dream about things that are, are going to happen in the future. Those are called precognizant dreams. So we dream a prophetic dream of what's to come. We also have dreams that show us things symbolically so that when we wake up in the morning, we can look up what those symbols mean or we can interpret what those symbols mean. How about daydreams? How do those relate? Well, it's kind of the same thing. You know, a lot of times daydreams, we're just kind of floating off into Never Never Land. And it's almost like a form of meditation. So we could start to receive information during our daydreams the same way and get uh, symbolic information much in the same way as we do at night. But I am pretty much a skeptic, believe it or not. So I always say, you know, look for the, the um, I don't want to call it normal. I hesitate to call it normal. But look at the, you know, the plain um, explanation first before you look to see whether it was psychic or not. In other words, um, see if you're processing something that happened the day before or exactly. something you've been worried about before you say, oh, I'm, I, this is going to be a prophetic thing. I have to look out for it. Exactly. So rather than assuming everything is metaphysical, you know, look for the practical explanation first. So again, you know, practical is always a good place to start. Right. Um, but if we're looking at a prophetic dream and we're pretty sure it's prophetic, However, the future is not set in stone. So if we have a prophetic dream and we decide we don't like it, we can set our intent to change outcome and then it doesn't happen. Doesn't that get a little confusing? Well, it definitely can get a little confusing. And like I was saying before with the fork in the road, we have choices. We can make different choices that will lead us down different pathways. Now, sometimes the choices we make can feel like we're swimming upstream because maybe it was the wrong choice and it's not going to be the smoothest or the easiest. But we do have choices and we are able to change things. Now, a prophetic dream may tell us that something's going to happen and it may feel absolute. But as you said, you know, if it had to do with traveling out to, say, California and then this will happen. Well, what if we just don't go to California? Will that still happen? You know what I mean? So we can we can make choices that can change our path. It's not necessarily going to change the outcome of things all the time, but it definitely will change our path. Mm. You know, the, if we think about it, we're making choices. Everybody around us is making choices. Doesn't that make, uh, you know, precognizance or uh, precognitive dreams or even pre predicting the future as a psychic, doesn't that make it a little dicey? It does. But you have to remember, it's not an exact science. So psychic abilities are there to help you. They're, help, they're there to guide you and to help you to do things or to know things or to feel things. And as long as we take them on as guidance and not absolutes, because as you said, they're, they're, they can be affected. These prophetic things that we're seeing or, or feeling or dreaming about, uh, it can be affected by outside sources, by other people, and even by what we choose to do. As long as we understand that and become aware of that, we know that it's not absolutes, then we know that things can change and things can be different than what we saw or felt or heard. 
that also kind of raises havoc with our faith, doesn't it? Because if we see it happening, but we change our you know attitude towards it and it doesn't happen, then we're left wondering, well, did I really see that or what? <laughs> right. And, you know, a lot of times also when I do readings, I, I see like the best possible outcome for somebody. So often I'll see, you know, this is what I see can happen. But I also think that it can change if you do this, this, and this, or if you decide not to do this thing that's that's good for you, if you decide to do the thing that's bad for you instead, then, you know, I don't see this happening. But this is the best possible outcome. And I think that that's what happens a lot with prophetic dreams. You know, that's that could be the best or, you know, adversely, the worst possible thing that could happen. And based on our chances or our choices, um, it can change. And it can wreak a little havoc. But at the same time, everything, you know, that I tend to tell people, or I shouldn't say everything, but most of the things I tend to tell people, if it's more prophetic based, um, they do tend to happen. So regardless of the choices, it may take a little bit longer or it may take a little bit of a different spin, but it does tend to happen. You know, how much does our living in fear or our being Pollyanna play on our, uh, whether we see the worst outcome or the, or the best outcome and how does that affect outcome? We know fear is an ego-based emotion. So living in our ego base, um, it can cause us to change the outcomes of things. And it can also cause or wreak havoc on our psychic abilities. Um, When we come from a place of love as opposed to fear or um, ego, usually our psychic abilities become stronger and they become more pronounced and better they're better able to help us yeah fear can sure shut it down can't it it's like um um when we are very very damaged and have a lot of patterns going and a lot of knee-jerk reactions the way we interpret the world is skewed and and that would affect our psychic ability doesn't it absolutely without a doubt that affects our physical reality too yeah and not a pretty way (laughs) Exactly. You know, if we come at things in a positive manner, you talked earlier very briefly about manifestation, but if you come at things in a positive way, you'll attract other positive things. So if you continue to come at uh, psychic abilities with a fear, or as you suggested as well, you know, having that Pollyanna kind of uh, attitude, then it's never going to be a positive thing for you. But if you come at it in a positive way, if you set out to Um, believe or you set out to understand that there are possibilities that this is real and you allow the fear to kind of fade away and allow the possibility that you're wrong or that you can be wrong to fade away then your psychic abilities will will come on and become stronger than ever Mm. what kind of training does a person need in order to work as a professional psychic on behalf of others you know it really depends it depends on how much natural ability you have um, but it also, for me, I set out to, to develop and to understand and discover as much as I possibly could about psychic abilities. And by doing that, it allowed me to become not only stronger because of my own practice, but be, I became stronger because I was practicing with other people. So it really depends on the type of training that you have, um, whether you go in one-on-one sessions with somebody, mentoring, whether you read books and do all the exercises in the books, Uh, whether you take classes with, you know, 500 other people and a professional teaching it. um, It really depends on how you naturally learn how to do things, what your genetic predisposition or your natural psychic ability level is to begin with, and what you enjoy. I always tell people, learn in a way that you enjoy. I enjoy learning with other people. I also enjoy learning by reading books. So that's what I tend to do. I like to go to classes Um, I like to kind of hide who I am a little bit because I want it to be about everybody else, too, not just about me. Um, So I enjoy going to classes and learning with other people because it raises the energy in those classes. But, you know, you tend to start out with an overview of what psychic ability is and how you can tune into it. And then you tend to get drawn to what you're really the best at, what you have a propensity for, which ability you have a propensity for. And then you tend to kind of go back out again and and experiment with other senses. So I think it really depends on who you are, what's available in your area, um, what types of books you can get, and what you enjoy doing. You know, again, like I said, I tell everybody, only do it if it's fun for you. If it's not fun, (laughs) if it's lost its its ability to uh, keep you happy, then you need to stop and take a step back and try try it in a different way. Try to do something different. Yeah. What what ethics apply to psychic practice? 
Oh, ethics play a huge part in psychic in psychic practicing. Um, one of the biggest things, as I said before, was don't judge what you're getting and don't censor it. Because by doing that, you're allowing your client or the person that's sitting there with you, you're allowing them to take on the information themselves. You're not trying to create something out of nothing. You're not trying to change the information that you're receiving because you're really just a channel. You're allowing the information to come through. Another part is to get your ego out of it. Your ego should have nothing to do with this. If you find that you're wrong 100% of the time, then you're, you're in the wrong profession. Uh, But, you know, you shouldn't be driven by your ego to be right all the time, but you should definitely, you know, pay attention to whether or not, you you know, your clients or your, your significant people that are sitting there are validating what you're saying, because you don't want to continuously be wrong either. Um, Because that's unethical to give people incorrect information constantly knowing that you're doing that. Right. Um, here's the other side of it. Um, if you are very sensitive, do you have any control over the information you get from others? How, how can we afford them their privacy if they haven't given us their permission to read them? Well, one of the things that I do and that I teach people to do all the time is to shut it down. If you're not working, if you don't have permission from somebody else to read them, don't do it. Like literally just don't do it. Put a, put a protection up around you, whether it's a bubble or whether you just naturally say, okay, I'm not working right now, so I don't want to receive all their information, just shut it down because it is unethical. You know, and the other thing is you don't want to be walking around reading everybody else's energy constantly because you would never be able to experience your own life. You wouldn't be able to live yourself if you were taking on everybody else's stuff all the time. And, you know, the sad reality is um, there are people out there that are so sensitive, they don't know where the volume knob is. They don't know whose is theirs and what isn't. And it's a very difficult way to be in the world. How can they start to find their bearings within that? Well, they have to do some psychic protection. As I said, like, you know, there's so many different meditations you can do that can begin to enable you to protect yourself from other people. One of the most common ones is to put a bubble around you, imagine a bubble around you, and that only, you know, positivity can come into that bubble. And you're censoring out or you're, you know, you're filtering out information that you're not supposed to have from other people. So you can put that barrier up. Um, It doesn't mean that you're holding people away from you. It just simply means that you're not invading their space and that you're not taking on anything that's not yours. I think you said the key word, you, you create it or build it in your imagination. And it's so, and this is what we miss is the power of the imagination. That's where we build the construct that manages the quantum level, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I just wanted to very quickly also say something about the ethical responsibilities. If you go to somebody who tells you that they need $500 more and they're going to light five candles for you and they're going to, you know, you're going to have to come back to them so that you can have a, a, pile of sage that they're going to light for you for another thousand dollars and that there's somebody put a really bad curse on you you know think about what they're doing (laughs) that's very unethical (laughs) so that's definitely you know a big part of ethics you want to be ethical and don't try and sell people stuff just for money you're doing this to help them as well and it doesn't mean that you you don't deserve to make something out of it or to make money but you're doing this you know for real this isn't supposed to be a spoof or a joke or taking advantage of somebody yeah, it's it's so important to not make a marketing ploy out of the whole thing, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, you're you're deep into a person's intimate space when you're doing this. How do you regard that? How do you respect that enough? <laughs> um, well, pretty much like I said, you know, you put up barriers. You don't want to um, use your ego. You don't let your ego go. So if you are, you know, deep into somebody's space and they, you're, you know, you're doing a session for them, then absolutely you want to go as deeply as possible. But you also want to be as ethical and as kind as possible. So you want to present them with the information you're getting in a kind way, even if it's really bad news that you're receiving. And you, again, always want to tell them, take what I say with a grain of salt. Go research what I just said. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, kind. always, always leave that open as a, as a possibility. Maybe I'm wrong. This is what I'm receiving, and this is what it usually means, but it could mean something else for you. Go research that. Well, we're going to have to take another break. Melanie and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net.
Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. 
Our guest this hour is Melanie Barnum, author of Llewellyn's Little Book of Psychic Development. Her website, MelanieBarnum.com. Melanie, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you how darling this book is. It's the cutest thing ever. It's purple and gold, and it's a hard copy, and I've just thoroughly enjoyed having it. So thanks for sending it. Oh, thank you. I agree, too. I love it. I think it's so cute. It is the cutest thing. (laughs) And speaking of your book, in your book, you give an example of receiving information from your client's friend about yet a third friend that's crossed. It would appear the lines of permission can really get blurred. How do you keep it clean? Well, you know, if there's somebody there that wants a reading, they have a life. So there's people that come into their lives and those people that come into their lives are going to affect the person that you're reading for. So you are going to get some overlap. And, you know, the only thing you could do is try your best to keep it ethical. So, you know, if somebody else's information comes through, it's a message to them. And it's from somebody else on the other side that that is trying to get a message to them. I just did a reading yesterday, as a matter of fact, for uh, somebody who, you know, had lost a bunch of their own people. And then all of a sudden I started getting information for somebody else. And I finally said, you know, I think that they're acknowledging and recognizing somebody else and they want you to talk to them for them. That's all you can do. You know, you can just tell them what you're getting and keep it, like I said, as ego-free and as ethical as possible. Yeah, well, you know, here, here's an example. <laughs> I um, used to advertise my school by doing fairs, and psychic fairs were one of the ones I did. I didn't do psychic readings, but just, you know, was there uh, for the people handout pamphlets and whatnot. Right. And uh, one afternoon I thought, well, I, I, you know, there's all these psychics all the way around the room. I'll go try one. I'd never get into a psychic, right? And so I sit down, and she was lovely, and she was very gifted, and all of a sudden, she starts telling me about my daughter's life through me, you know, how many kids she was going to have, what her profession was. I go, whoa, whoa, stop at the bus. You have permission to read me, but you don't have permission to read my daughter through me. And what was amazing, she was very, very accurate, but it felt kind of invasive, and that's what I'm talking about there. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. I mean, if you come in for a reading and I pick up on some information about your daughter because she's your daughter, that's normal. But if the whole reading turns and it's about your daughter entirely, then, you know, your daughter needs to either decide that she needs to come in for a reading or you need to stop the session and reboot. Right. Reboot. I like that. So how important is intent when you're working with psychic skills? Um, Do you mean intent as in developing your psychic abilities? No, I mean, like, you're, you say I have a client, say I'm a, a psychic reader and I have a client. Um, well, say I'm working with shamanism. This is where I do use it. I say, okay, well, if I know what your intent and bottom line is, that directs the work. And so they clarify their intent, and then my work follows that. How important is that in psychic readings? Um, well, if they're looking for a specific answer for something, then it's very important. Otherwise, if they're just coming in for a general psychic reading, um, possibly, you know, connecting to to some loved ones on the other side, um, then their intent necessarily is not the biggest part of the reading or the, the focus of the reading. Because the way that I work anyway is before you come in, I sit down and I meditate for about 10 minutes and I write down everything that the universe pretty much tells me about you. So I'll write down everything that I get, which can include, you know, who you are as a person, what your characteristics are. Um, possibly what you look like and, you know, maybe your profession or what's going on in your life, current events, you know, did you just move? Did you just have a baby? Stuff like that. Um, And then I also connect to people from the other side, uh, loved ones that are on the other side. And by the time we end up getting through just this one sheet of paper and I end up going everything that's on, you know, going over everything that I've written down, the, the question or the main question they may have come in for, we've already answered. So Mm. to me, intent isn't necessarily as important um, because everything ends up getting addressed. Everything ends up getting answered. And then at the very end, I always leave five or ten minutes to say, okay, you know, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to know about? And, you know, usually it's, oh, you know, we've pretty much talked about everything. But how about, you know, this? What can you tell me since we talked about this already? What can you tell me, you know, is going to happen if I do that? So intent is Um, important in some ways and the intent to come with an open mind is huge Um, but beyond that I think it usually gets answered because the universe kind of knows why you're there right and you're you're coming from a totally different area than I do you're reading what's in a person's space where I'm helping them mend what might be standing between them and where they want to go coming at it from different angles really 
Right. And if that's the case, if they come in because they want to make a change and they want to know how to do it um, or they want to know, you know, what's holding them back, then absolutely we'll address that. Yeah. Um, Another thing with this work is it seems like we can be very penetrating and oftentimes see into a person's life beyond where they want to look. How do you know when it's in their best interest to speak everything? Do you have a a way that you don't see things that uh, would not be good for them to see? Um, Well, as I said before, you know, I always try and be kind and I try and be ethical. So the information that I get will touch on and you can tell if they want to go deeper into something or if they don't want to. Um, For instance, I just had somebody come in where, you know, I don't usually get into stuff like this. But for some reason, uh, I was getting information that said they needed to stop smoking. And I looked at her and I, you know, I said, you know, I know that that's a difficult thing. And I know it's none of my business. And I know that. You can do whatever you want with it, but I'm getting the information that you really need to try and stop smoking. And that is a really touchy subject for most people that do smoke. Yeah, addictions are wonderful, right? (laughs) Yeah. I said, you know, you can take it for what it is and do with it what you want, but I'm going to let you know what they're letting me know because it's a pretty big, it can be a pretty big deal. And then I dropped it. I didn't take it any further. I didn't tell her how to do it. I didn't tell her she needed to do it. I didn't tell her what was going to happen if she didn't do it. But then I dropped it and I let it go because it was a touchy, touchy subject. And I know that seems kind of silly when you're just talking about smoking, but it was a very touchy subject. Well, addictions are amazingly complex. I mean, we don't just do that because we want to have an addiction. There's a lot of hidden things behind them. Exactly. So it becomes very personal, which is why that I think is a great example of that. It's a very deep thing. It's, It's a very personal and personalized thing for somebody to deal with. Mm, very, very. Let's talk about chakras a little bit. What does the chakra system have to do in your ability to read other people? Well, you know, your chakras are like your spiritual batteries. So they tend to to pulse out or to um, transmit energy um, and, you know, work with energy within their body. But I'm also able to pick up and read that energy. So it helps me to to read somebody and read the energy of somebody, where they're balanced, where they're unbalanced, um, what they might be missing in their lives, what they need more of in their lives, etc. So you're reading their chakric systems and how balanced they are and getting information from that. Yeah. And also, like I said, I mean, it, it, you know, you've heard the expression, people wear their heart on their sleeves. It's the same thing. You kind of wear your chakras on your sleeves as well. <laughs> your aura is right there. Um, yeah. So we pick up the information that is, um, you know, kind of metaphysically being sent out to us. And how about the other way around? Do you use your chakras, do you believe, in your ability to read? I absolutely do. Um, before I, As I said before, um, before I do any session, I sit down and I meditate for about 10 minutes. And that meditation is usually opening up my chakras and tuning in my chakras. Um, and, you know, I use all of my chakras to, to do the work. But the main chakras that I focus on where I feel things as I'm going up, you know, my kind of seven major chakras um, – I focus on my throat, my communication chakra. I focus on my uh, intuitive or psychic sight chakra, which is my third eye. And I focus on my crown chakra, where I'm receiving all the information. Um, And like I said, I I open up and I try and balance as best I can and open and reach with my other chakras as well so that I can feel and and be grounded in the the information and the meditation that I'm doing and the information that I'm channeling and receiving from my clients. Isn't that also a good way, if you're empathic, to come back into yourself is to rebalance your personal chakras to nature between sessions? Absolutely. I tell people all the time, go hug a tree. <laughs> you know, it really is a good thing to do because, like you said, coming back to nature, it really brings that bond back and it grounds you. Mm. Amazing. We have about a minute left, a um, little over. What is the best advice you can give someone to develop their, their psychic skills, and what's the best reason to do it? Um, well, the, the best advice I can give somebody to develop their psychic skills is to be open to any possibilities. Be open to the possibility that anything can happen, that you can develop any of your abilities. Don't limit yourself. Um, and then start by practicing. You know, pick up a couple books that have experiences, um, exercises, hands-on things that you could start studying and start doing and see what you're drawn to. See what feels right. See what feels good. 
You know, it seems like we're living in very uncertain times. Uh, isn't it more important to have uh, a little bit of precognitive ability now than in times past? Yeah, well, you know, we think about, we think that it is. Um, we think that we really need to know what's going to happen because because we are living in some scary times now. But think about, you know, way back when in the cave, caveman days, it was pretty important to know whether a saber-toothed tiger was coming at you, <laughs> you know. So it's all kind of relative. Um, the more that we can develop our, our abilities to help keep us safe and to keep our loved ones safe, the better off we'll be. And the mm-hmm. more that we can kind of tune in to help us kind of get rid of the all the little stuff that we don't really need to deal with every day on a daily basis, and if we just knew the outcome or the answer to something, then the better off we'll be as well. Well, Melanie, I, we're out of time. Unfortunately, it flies and we are out of it. Thank you so, so much for being on The Science of Magic with us. Thanks, Wilda. I really enjoyed it. Real pleasure. Our guest this hour has been Melanie Barnum, a psychic medium, intuitive counselor, life coach, reflexologist, hypnotist, and author of many books, including her latest, Llewellyn's Little Book of Psychic Development. Her website, melaniebarnum.com. This has been the Science of Magic. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you engage your intuition. <laughs>